Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, French Polynesia makes its case to host the Pacific Games. Island rugby nations are urged to work together to combat cashed-up foreign clubs. And Pacific Oceania holds its ground at Junior Fed Cup qualifiers. But first, one of Oceania football's most experienced club owners says the time has come to talk about the O-League turning professional. Hakata United have been club champions in Papua New Guinea for close to a decade and won the O-League title back in 2010, representing Oceania at that year's FIFA Club World Cup. Team owner and chairman John Capinato says a lot of domestic leagues in the region are weak, and he's recruited heavily for the O-League in order to be competitive. But he says such investment may not be sustainable. For me and for Auckland and for others, Amical, I think the three of us are the one that are digging out of our pocket for the last 10 years or 9 years in uh, spending our resources into football. And uh, you know the return that we get is minimum. Um, in Auckland City, I think the return is okay, satisfactory, because uh, four years in the FIFA Club World Cup, I think that maximizes the return. But for Andrew Leon in Vanuatu, Tafi and myself, and now Western United in Solomon Islands, I think I mean, we're digging in and spending a lot, but uh, we don't see the return. And I hope uh, someday or sooner, OFC, looks into a professional concept so that uh, each person could uh, uh, look at a return in the organization so that it becomes professional so that uh, we are not spending, uh, we are not doing a lottery uh, for a short space of time and we're spending you know, half a million to a million dollars. It's a lot of money and I think it's, uh, for me, it's a, it's a risk and uh, we're giving away so much. And I think my challenge to OFC is that, hey, listen, if we need to come to become like A-League, I mean, I'm sure Auckland would agree with me because we need return as an organization. Or else, for me, someday, maybe sooner, it might be the end of the day for me because I need to look back on what brings return, whether it's football or any business of life. I think that's a comment that I'm setting it forth to OFC, that let's turn professional. You obviously feel that to compete in the O-League at the moment, you need to put that investment in, though, otherwise you don't have a chance? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, if you look at Amical, I mean, if you look at Western United, I mean, they've, they've brought in for you know international players in a short pace of time. Amical brought in short pace of time. Auckland the infrastructure is, the organization is perfect. I mean, New Zealand, uh, the, the foreign players come and leave there. So that, you know, for us, I'm just saying because some of our national league are not very strong. The players are not up to. I mean, Hakari. I mean, our training regime is quite different. That's why we've been the champion of Papua New Guinea for the last nine years, or almost to the ten years, because of our training regime and discipline is very, very high. So if I'm going to spend money in a short pace of time, like I did in 2010, and uh, continuously, I think there's no return on my part as an investment. I mean, obviously, look at A-League and look at uh, other champion leagues around the world. Do you think a professional O-League, a professional Oceania tournament, 
is feasible? Is that something that you think would attract interest and fans uh, and sponsors? I, I think I think it's feasible because I think uh, three years ago when I attended the um, OFC seminar and uh, OFC says uh, we are about to turn professional. So in terms of club licensing and all that, you know, everybody put their hands up. They said we're ready for it, and all of a sudden that didn't work. I mean, I was in the FA of Papua New Guinea football. And I fully endorsed it and supported it. I said, I'm willing to invest. You know, my sponsors are willing to invest. And all of a sudden, it didn't turn out that way. That's how it happened. So we continue on playing that. And I think Andrew Leon, for example, from Amical, I mean, I think the guy is spending a lot of money. You know, he's bringing 18 international players. That's a lot of money. That's the chair of PNG football champion, Sakadi United, John Kapinato. This year's Oceania Champions League has kicked off and runs until next weekend. French Polynesia wants to host the 2023 Pacific Games and has already received the backing of the French government. Tahiti last hosted the event in 1995 and was beaten by Tonga in the bidding process for the 2019 tournament. Kevin Kuchera from the French Polynesian Sports Ministry says the territory has been waiting a long time for the Pacific Games to return. We lost the bid in 2013, so that was a priority to bid for the next Games in 2023. Because the last time was in 1995. And was very popular, successful event, sorry. Population is willing to get the games back. We think that 2023 is the time. And uh, what have you learned from the lost bid process against Tonga, who of course will host in 2019? Have you done anything differently this time around, or do you intend to? Well, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> we didn't really understand the choice. But maybe the fact that you know Tonga has never held the game, so it had to be a first time. Every nation, you know, every country has the right to bid and uh, maybe win the bid. So it was the first time for Tonga. We were quite happy about that. Because otherwise, it's always the same nations. You know, it's always PNG, Newcastle, Tahiti, uh, Fiji, always the big Pacific nations. So it's a good thing in a way that uh, Tonga won the bid. And the sports minister has met with the French Olympic Committee in Paris and they've held discussions over this. Have you got support from the French Olympic Committee? Are they on board with all this? We have a special status with France. Here in Tahiti, we are independent in terms of sports. We work closely with the French sports ministry. They support us and they're willing to give us some, some funding for the, all the equipment and sports facilities to be built for the, for the Games. We have the support from France, yes. Having hosted the Games previously, would there be a lot of new infrastructure that would have to be built? We will have to build some new facilities and uh, refurbish uh, most of them because uh, they're quite old. That's the problem. Most of the facilities uh, are like 40 to 50 years old now. They were built for the very first Pacific Games here in Tahiti uh, in, back in 1971. And in 1995, uh, nothing new was built. But now we are working on a big uh, construction project here and, uh, to build some new stadiums to international band standards. One of the issues with the Tongan bid at the moment, of course, is that they are behind time and struggling for finance at the moment. Have you guys got all the finance all right. sorted out? We are talking about investing 120 to 150 uh, million US dollars. That's the amount we we are willing to invest. You know, the, the country is willing to put in the games. And obviously, this money will come from France. So maybe I don't know. We'll have support from other countries, but our main support is France. So. And that's more than double, I think, the cost of what the Tongan Games in 2019 are going to be. Is that, as you say, is that because you've got so many buildings that you need to build and upgrade? We need to have like a big uh, sports arena, you know, because everything is uh, outdoor here. 
we only have a small uh, sports facilities indoor, and we want a massive one, you know, in order to be uh, ready to host like uh, 5,000 people indoor. That's what we're looking for, and this costs 60, 70 million dollars. And then we want to build a new a new pool too, a new swimming pool, Olympic swimming pool. So that's why it's so expensive. So because we, as I said earlier, all the the facilities are from the 70s. Is there any idea what sort of sports you would have involved? Obviously, you can choose to include some and exclude other ones. Yeah, obviously, we're here in Tahiti, uh, you know, surfing is one of the main sports here. It's not part of the games in PNG, which is a shame for us because we always win the, the gold medal. This is just an example, but we are strong in paddling, we are strong in taekwondo. It's a good thing that Australia and New Zealand are joining uh, the, the competition in, in taekwondo, so our athletes will compete against the best in the region. We are very strong in taekwondo, uh, paddling and boxing and surfing, so those sports are our main uh, goals for, for the games. And when would the vote be made? Would it be next year? No, I think it's 2017. I think it's two years for the mini games, uh, which are supposed to be in uh, Vanuatu. So next year is the the official bid. You know, we give them the yep. the document, the bid document, and everything uh, they need to know. And then uh, for the the mini games in uh, in Vanuatu, the decision will be made, and we will know. That's Kevin Kuchera from the French Polynesian Sports Ministry. The Rugby Players Association says Pacific countries need to work together in an effort to try and combat the continued threat from cashed-up foreign clubs. Close to 600 players with Pacific Islands heritage have contracts around the world, which is about 15% of all full-time players. The bulk of the Fiji, Samoa and Tonga internationals ply their trade in Europe, while French clubs have established academies in Fiji to capture players in the local system. Rob Nickel from the International Rugby Players Association says there have been discussions about Pacific nations protecting their homegrown players and told Stephen Houston the best way to combat the problem is working together. I think there is a real need for these South Pacific nations to get together and have this conversation together because it is affecting them all. And I think sharing of information and knowledge and understanding how we can learn what are the challenges we're facing together and what's working in one country might be able to be transported to another. I think this is something that there needs to be more conversations around. That These issues are affecting Fiji, they are affecting Samoa, they're affecting Tonga significantly. And then you have the, you know, the USA and Canada and um, Japan to a lesser extent. You know, you have some of these other countries that have got other challenges associated with them, but also have some opportunities. So I, I think there needs to be more conversations uh, from a Southern Hemisphere perspective about how we work together to deal with these issues, definitely. The South Pacific, a, a traditional, ri- well, I suppose rivalries, is it making it difficult for the likes of Fiji, Tonga, Samoa to actually talk to one another? No, I don't think so. In fact, I think they've cotton on to this in my conversations with them recently is that there's been a number of meetings between the head of their, their rugby unions, you know, that they're experiencing these challenges. And indeed, we're over in Sydney, I think, in two weeks' time, Ofaru, the Federation of Oceanic Rugby Unions, AGM, and they've got a high-performance conference on that time. And, and these are the kind of conversations I, I suspect will start. But, I, you know, I think there is, there is more that can be done in that space. Um, from a Pacific Island perspective, I think, you know, there's such a... It's such a massive part of world rugby. I mean, we, we did some stats on it, and I think out of around about three and a half to 4,000 professional rugby players globally, there's at least at least 650-odd that have Pacific Island origins. So that, that's, that's guys that are playing professionally around the world who are of Pacific Island origin. That, that's close to 15%. That's a huge number, a huge contribution. 
and that includes those that are playing for the All Blacks or might be playing for France or England or, or Samara or, or whoever. Mm. But they're a massive part of the rugby fabric. In New Zealand alone, you know, they're, they're a huge part of our rugby community and an unbelievably valued part of our rugby community. You know, they're such great talent. Although, although and, from and a Northern Hemisphere perspective, they don't actually want to see those South Pacific nations get strong. That's right. So, so there's a really weird kind of tension here. You've got World Rugby placing investment into the island. So, for example, Samoa, £8 million over the last 10 years of investment in Samoa. But at the same time, those that control World Rugby, a la the Six Nations or Scotland and, and the like, they don't want to see those nations become too strong. So, on one hand, they're investing, wanting to encourage um, development and wanting to encourage rugby in those nations. And then on the other hand, there's some really key things they could actually do that would significantly advance the ability of those countries to compete and their decisions and, and changes in regulations that are required at a global level. But they don't happen because it's going to prejudice Scotland's ability to play Samar because it'll give Samar too much of an advantage. So you've got that weird dynamic going on, and that's what I was referring to before around if the Southern Hemisphere nations in particular were to work closer together around some of the tools and ideas that they could look to promote and, and work on the global stage, then they, they might find there's a couple of um, pretty good ideas here. That's Rob Nickel from the International Rugby Players Association speaking with Stephen Hewson. The Fiji women's sevens team are back to full strength and targeting a top eight finish at this weekend's World Series tournament in Canada. The Fijiana finished ninth at last month's Atlanta sevens, coming from behind to beat Spain in the bowl final. Some players were absent in the USA for disciplinary reasons, but head coach Ilias Tanivula says this time he has a full squad to choose from. I made four changes to the squad from the last time. The two that were out for discipline in the last one, are they back? Yeah, they're back in. Okay. Um, yeah. So are the other changes form or are they injury? They're just in uh, form. And uh, since the US tournament, uh, what's been happening? Just training or have you had any tournaments back home or...? Hardly two weeks, two and a half weeks, you know, we had, so yeah, we just had to make do with time, and uh, we did a lot of scrimmages, though, uh, you know, just trying to get our game fitness up, and, you know, the girls are all looking good, so we're looking forward to Canada. Okay, um, obviously a, a pretty uh, dramatic ending to that uh, final match over in the US against Spain, the team that, a little bit like Australia, you seem to come up against every tournament at, at some point, uh, you know, you managed to pip them at the post there again, uh, coming from behind. Uh, that must have been satisfying to see the girls work right until the end. It is, and we've worked hard. We, we were a new team in the series, and you know we're learning a lot along the way. And you know we just got to suck it in and um, keep moving forward. And you know hopefully we qualify for the next year series, and you know we can build on that. What do you have to do to qualify for next year's series? I think we're going to stay in the top eight at the end of the series in, in Amsterdam. Uh, okay, so and obviously the last two events you finished uh, ninth, uh, winning that uh, playoff game. So you know it's all very tight at the moment. Uh, do you back the girls to take that next step, or how tough is it against all those teams at a similar level? It gets tougher every tournament. We came six in the in the first one in Dubai, and I guess you know we've got the ability to get there, and we just got to get the you know our little things right, get the basics right. And as I said, it's something we've, you know we're learning at the moment, and uh, you know we're taking strides. You've got obviously a, a difficult pool as always. Uh, New Zealand, uh, you know, top of the table. They'll be tough for England and that nemesis uh, Spain again, or a team that you've got the edge on. So, uh, what do you make of your opponents? It's exciting. It's a big challenge, uh, you know, with New Zealand there, and of course with the two other teams, uh, England and uh, Spain. But New Zealand has set the standards for women's rugby sevens uh, over the years, 
So it's exciting to come up against them, and you know we're going to test ourselves against the best and um, see how we pave up. That's the Fiji women's sevens coach Elisa Tanivula. Pacific Oceania finished a credible 13th at the final Asia Oceania Junior Fed Cup tennis qualifiers in Australia this week. The team of Tammy Ackerman, Ayana Rengel and Mulan Kamoi beat Uzbekistan on the final day in Shepparton in Victoria to finish with three wins and three losses. The singles rubbers were shared one each with the Northern Marianas Ackerman beaten 6-1-6-4 and Fiji's Kamoi winning 6-3. As in the previous tie against Sri Lanka, the doubles pairing of Kamoi and Palau's Ringel then combined to win the deciding rubber 7-6-6-2. Australia, Japan, Chinese, Taipei and New Zealand will represent Asia Oceania at the Junior Fed Cup World Finals in Madrid later this year, with Australia, Japan, Chinese, Taipei and Hong Kong to contest the Junior Davis Cup Finals. And the Rugby League community in Queensland is uniting this weekend to raise funds for the NRL's Vanuatu appeal. The NRL pledged $50,000 to UNICEF and a further $65,000 has been donated by the Rugby League community in the wake of Cyclone Pam. And local clubs in Queensland will be lending their support to the initiative this weekend in an effort to generate further momentum behind the appeal. Queensland Maroons and PNG Kummels coach Mel Meninga says he's a very proud Australian South Sea Islander and is calling on fans to dig deep and support the appeal. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.